and welcome to Writing About Dragons and Shit, a podcast where two authors and a writer get together and talk about the ways that they tell stories. I'm one of your hosts, Trevor Bettis, your resident writer and podcaster from such shows as Difficulty Class and Champions of Lore, and with me each week are two amazing people who are. I'm Aaron M. Evans, I'm the author of the Brimstone Angels Saga and the forthcoming Empire of Exiles. Yeah! Uh, and I'm here for whatever wisdom B-Dave is about to drop. <laughs> oh, stop it, you. Uh, B-Dave Walters, I say words about things. I'm uncharacteristically snotty-faced, so you're probably going to hear me be far more quiet than usual because I'm going to be muting here, so I'm not, like, ASMRing you all the time. <laughs> well, you can't mute. Yeah, you said you, you, said, you, you, you teased you got a rant. It, 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 small, minor, okay. minor, okay. Uh, but, but relevant, relevant. So, dear friends and listeners, hi. Uh, if this is your first time joining us, welcome aboard. Um, so one of the things I always tell you guys, like I'm blessed to know fascinating people like Evan and Aaron M. Evans in Trievor. <laughs> and we'll be sitting, talking to each other before we go live. And I'm always like, bah, stop being interesting till we're recording. And I will like make them stop talking until we're recording. And I was about <laughs> to say something. And then I was like, I would tell me to stop. So now here it is. I hate book proposals. I hate book proposals. <laughs> a company reached out to me, mm-hmm. soliciting me to write a book, nonfiction mm. book, uh, on a topic I am specially qualified to talk about. And they're like, great, we're interested in anything. Just give us a book proposal. Here's the outline. And I'm like, ah. Because for me, the book proposal is as much or more work than writing the book. So um, for, for, for those who may not know what that is like, what, what all goes into a book proposal? <sighs> all heavy. the blood, sweat, and tears. It's, it is as much a creative process as a business process, which you would think. But B, Dave, you like creativity and you like business. And I'm like, I do, (laughs) but not in this context. Um, You have to, well, first of all, it varies. It varies by company, varies by project. Uh, Oftentimes you have to include sample chapters, but not necessarily. A nonfiction, you can get away with having written a lot less than in fiction, I find. But again, not always. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to essentially lay out what the book is going to be in as much detail as you can, with an outline as much detail as you can give. But also things like uh, 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 analysis. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, synopsis. Aaron, no, synopsis is part of it. But like how other books in the in the in the area have done. Comp um, titles. Yeah, yeah, essentially, comp titles. What other things that are close? Market how they do. analysis. Market analysis. That's the word I'm looking for. I told y'all I'm sick. I'm sorry. Um, Thanks for yeah. making me look smart by asking me that. No, but you knew it because you're an expert. You're Aaron of the Thousand Evans here. I've never, yes. I have never had to do a nonfiction book proposal. The nice thing is, I think for fiction, you have to write the whole thing first. In nonfiction, you can often get away with not having written the whole thing. Is that accurate? That is true. That is an accurate That is an accurate statement. Yeah, you just give a taste of it, a taste of what it's going to be and why you're qualified to write it. That is true. Like you can yeah. sometimes get um, like an option where they'll take the, man, what is it called? They'll take, a, they'll take like a proposal. Like they want the first three chapters and a synopsis. Yep. And ideally they want several, but, but if you're, that's like, if you've already written for them and they enjoyed the experience and they would like to purchase your next book. So tell us what it is. And we'll tell you if that's the one we want to buy. Um, if you're coming in, you know, 
from the cold you don't get to do that you have to do the whole thing and yeah. in your case they did come to you so but i think that's that's also fairly normal for nonfiction that you you give them like a, a chapter breakdown and some sample chapters and a sense of like here's why this book will sell and here's why i'm the one who's gonna write this book write mm-hmm. the hell out of this book <laughs> um but yeah fun times yeah um, it sounds like as much fun as a query package, so it's the, it's it's the, it's the same principle. I, I to to me in yeah. my mind those things are all in my that that the footwork that you have to do to even get somebody to want the book. To me, those it's all in one gross package, but it's very necessary and it makes sense in that in the process of doing the research, hopefully you at least come out with an outline or maybe a whole dang book, womp womp. Um, And two, even you know, is there a market for this? Because I run into this all the time where somebody's like, hey, uh, I have my dice box here, dear listener, you can't see it. But somebody's like, I came up with a dice box that will shock you every time you open it. And I'm like, cool, cool, cool. But did you stop to figure if anybody wants that? (laughs) So, yeah. So that's a good thing. And it is necessary, and the process exists for a reason to protect all parties. It just really sucks, and I hate it. That's all. <laughs> that's totally fair. I'm sorry. I'm sorry you have to do that, but I'm glad you get to do it to write a book. That's the thing. That's the right feeling. P- people, people listening at home are like, "Oh, poor baby." Again, my life is a conglomeration <laughs> of champagne problems. I'm not unaware of this. <laughs> literally, literally in front of me, I have someone offering me a sponsorship with a major alcohol distributor and they were like are people offended about booze sponsorships i'm like i'm not we've been on the trail of cutwater a long time now <laughs> drinking so, right now gin and tonic. Just, we are Try drinking cutwater cutwater <laughs> ladies and gentlemen both the night that? Cutwater. that really hit the back of my throat and stinks brought to, oh. brought to you in part by cutwater um i will you're say, not really selling it trevor sorry i was trying to yeah. get the sip for the the the, the, the yeah. sound and then it backfired don't don't clip the fact that Trevor is not the equal don't of a gin and tonic. Drink drink gin and tonics like you're supposed to, not like me. That's true. Don't pinky up a gin and tonic. That's just good life advice. Um, I will just say, as an aside, they, I legit did get hit up, and they were like, "Are you okay with a sponsorship from this alcohol company?" And I literally went to Google to see if they're still doing business in Russia, and the headline was, "They're not doing business in Russia." And I was like, Ta-da! "Send them my way." Yep. There you done. go. Yep. There you go. Well, uh, as, as far as uh, the, the episode goes, we thought it would be fun uh, to reach out to listeners and see what questions they had. So we put out a post on Twitter and we got some pretty good ones. Um, and I, I thought we'd start off with with actually kind of kind of a heavy hitting one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this uh, this we question are going was... <laughs> in cold with these, by the yes, way. I'm so the only one know. that have read these. Um, so Andy, uh, writes tips for writing an emotionally satisfying tragedy. I believe I can speak with some authority to emotional trauma. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, go on. Uh, of course, Aaron's novels are rife with it as well. And she is a genius and everything she says and does is correct. Um, her, her. Beauty is only exceeded by her skill at storytelling. Yes. <laughs> Whereas maybe Trevor's the exact opposite. I don't know. Your beauty might exceed your storytelling maybe. skill, Trevor. I don't know. It's close. I'm having a good hair day. So it is. You're having quite this, this is another one of those times that this being audio only is a loss. The tra- this is a tragedy. Yes. A loss. Is indeed. it emotionally yes. satisfying? 
<laughs> we'll see how long, we'll see how much I get through this gin and tonic. <laughs> I think um, emotional. Actually, read the question for me again here, just so I can make sure I, I, I say exactly what it is they're asking for. Tips for writing an emotionally satisfying tragedy. Um, so I was about to start by saying it is not a function of length. Mm -hmm. You would think it is, yeah. it isn't. It is a function of I have to give a damn I have to empathize. I have yeah. to empathize. You know, it's like every once in a while you see those memes of um, there's just a pot of spaghetti, spaghetti sauce all over the floor and someone just holding their head and it just says like, this is a tragedy across the bottom because <laughs> we can all conceive yeah. of it. Yeah. yeah. You know, we can all empathize immediately. You know, the what happens to the good guy and what happens to the bad guy can be exactly the same. It's just whether or not you have a vested interest to give you a different I uh, take on this. I used to not like horror at all. It's still not really my jam. It just so happens I'm pretty good at it, which is funny because most of the horror writers I know don't really like horror. They just happen <laughs> to be good at it. And yeah. my friends who like horror is their jam. Do not create horror content. So I don't know why that is a thing, but it's very true. Um, and it was Jeepers Creepers that Jeepers taught me this, the movie Jeepers, Jeepers Creepers, that it's only horror if you um it's only horror if you are identifying more with the victim than the killer. If you're on the creeper side, Jeepers Creepers is an action movie. <laughs> yes you know? it is. Yeah. So if you're like, man, <laughs> time to time to go get some eyeballs. Let's do it. You know? Um so it's similar with this. You 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 have to make sure you've laid a framework of empathy. Like we, we've mentioned many times the, uh, the, the short story, you know, for sale, one pair of baby shoes, never worn. Oh, yeah. You know, like that reaction, that's the reaction everybody has. And there's a, there's a lot of reasons why the baby never wore the shoes, you know, but none of them are really good. Yeah. You know, um, if, Maybe just like to be barefoot in the summer. That's true. Maybe <laughs> it's a happy story. But you know what I mean? Not likely. Yeah. 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 Uh, I I think I think another part of it is um, promises, like like throughout the story of building these promises for this character. But not not because like there there's the 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 cliche where it's like man I can't wait till after this uh, mission that we might totally die and where I'm gonna have a great life with my family. Okay, I, the uh, one I, I, last I mission like, before yeah. we retire yeah. on my boat to live forever. <laughs> yeah, don't. That's not a promise. That is. I feel a setup. like what that has become is like a signal to the audience to like cushion the blow. Yeah, like you're meant to be prepared for this to not go well. Because that doesn't happen in a movie that you go into to feel the big feels. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, it, it sort of like frames it up so that it's important, but it also says to you, hey, don't get attached to this guy. Yeah. Um, because we're going to use him to add some stakes. I know. <laughs> This is going to come as a complete and total shock to everyone involved, but George R. R. Martin's dead to me. What? I know. I, I thought know. you were I won't hear the slander. I've, I've soft-sold it a lot. I know. But part of the reason why I don't buy he's dead to me is as late as the fifth book, 
there was a new viewpoint character that was introduced just oh, to kill him. Oh, God. And he yeah. was talking about, oh, I'm adding all these new characters in the sixth and seventh. And I'm like, nobody wants that. One, yeah. because you got to finish the story you're already telling. But two, we're now incapable of forming a meaningful relationship with any of them. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? The, the, the yeah. hat trick of... Uh, it's like you said oh so long ago, Aaron, and it has proven to be right again and again. The audience loves being surprised. They hate being tricked. You know? Yeah. You can get me to sit on the whoopee cushion once. If every chair I'm ever around you ever is the whoopee cushion. Past a certain point, it's like I'm standing. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah. None of this. So it's something to be aware of there, too. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's a really good point. Like, because that is the thing. Like, the first time someone did that, it, and I can't tell you when that, when that, trope starts out it probably does like hit you in the gut a little bit but at this point it is so cliche that it is the signal be prepared for this one to die yeah um i think that empathy is the really big thing um so i just want to say it again because it's not a tragedy if you don't really care um and i think that comes in a couple of different ways right like seeing people's the reasons that they make choices, I think that's even more important than them making the choices you, the reader, would make. Yep. Like, you don't want people just to be complete and total idiots, but they're yep. probably going to make mistakes on their way to a tragedy. Yeah. Um, but you should kind of understand why they did it. And you can be like, oh, it's so sad you were that stupid. But yeah. you can't feel disdain. You can't feel disgust. And also feel that empathy that will get you to the place where you're, you're having the sad, cathartic sobs. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, sorry. No, go ahead. No, no. Go, go, go ahead. Well, it did two two examples. Um, one, if you remember way back in the early two thousands, the Terminator TV show. With Lena Healy, Healy is Sarah Connor. Mm -hmm. um, every episode, they did something stupid. And the Terminator Cameron was like, you're doing a stupid thing. And they were like, we're humans, and humans are complicated. You know, and it was just really dumb. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, like, the fact that we're people explains why we're going to do the dumbest thing possible. It's like, I'm literally from the future. The building is going to explode. And you're like, but we got to go save the puppies. You know, I'm like... You don't, though. It's really yeah. dumb. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing is, I would say, is it's very, it, it, I mean, tragedies obviously kind of end on a low note. That's what makes them tragedies. But, I mean, except for Darth Plagueis the Wise, which is the, <laughs> the saddest of tragedies of all. Uh, but Romeo and Juliet and A Midsummer Night's Dream are basically the same story. It's just in one of them, it works out. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very good point. <laughs> you know, so, you know, that that's something else to to be mindful of. I think the 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 question didn't necessarily ask about tragedy, but now that we've kind of come this direction. Well, oh, satisfying tragedy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah I guess they did. Um, I'm like, that was a long time ago in the way I measure time. <laughs> I think the hallmark of tragedy is not necessarily hubris, but hubris usually has a big part of it. But mm -hmm. there has to be an opportunity for them to turn back and they don't. Okay. Yeah. You know, there has to be a moment where it's um, like a heat. If you remember that movie, the De Niro and Al Pacino heat. Mm -hmm. When he's leaving town and he's clear, he's free and clear. I know, spoiler alert, but the movie's been out 25 years. Catch where up! He, 
where he can go. He's free and clear. And he's like, mm, that one last dude you need to kill at this this hotel. I found him, you know, but don't even worry about it. You know, yeah. it, it'll all come back. And it, there's a moment where De Niro can see literally there's two exits. Yeah. Like it's a visual metaphor. <laughs> yeah. And at the last second, he goes towards the hotel and everybody knows in that moment he's not leaving. Like, yeah. I mean, everybody mm -hmm. knows. Um, so I would say you need to have a point in the story where it didn't have to be this way. Yeah. And yet, you know, and yet. Yeah. I think too, like when that choice comes, uh, the most satisfying one is where you're like, this couldn't go another way. Like, you know, yeah. from the start, this is who they are. Yeah. And, and so in some ways a tragedy happens because the character doesn't make the pivot that they need to make to overcome the obstacle. Mm -hmm. Right. Or they don't understand the pivot and they turn wrong. And so, you know, if you were like, and that, or, or if they do make the pivot, but the circumstance, like the thing that pops in my head, it's not, I don't know that it's necessarily a tragedy. Hold on a second. <laughs> we, we, we have to, we have to now. I like where this is headed. To do some analysis. I don't know if she's researching Hang or on a, a second. Text no, I just it's a my text dear, thing. I was about Suddenly, to say, dear, dear listener. <laughs> You don't know that Aaron has zero poker face. And so it's it's such a process watching every thought go across her face where I'm like, is she coming Have up with very them? expressive? Yeah. As I was talking, I tapped my earbud and for some reason my music player started out. Oh yeah. Uh, well, we can like, hear it for what it's worth. Yeah, it no, I didn't, didn't think you here. could. I was just yep. like, I that can't hear myself if, if... talk. It would have been great though if it was like, all right, I'm gonna talk about tragedy real quick and like a super happy song starts playing over the listeners. Well, it's it's, I, I, it's, it's about it's... juxtaposition. Trevor. Yes. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I, th I think I've shared this example before. Um, again, for the context, the thing that taught me the power of scoring in a film was the Street Fighter II anime. Because <laughs> yeah. I know, bear with me on this. Yep. Uh, they made the story where they had to, of course, come up with uh, backgrounds for all the characters. And they made Chun-Li a cop in Vegas, an international assassin. Doesn't matter if you know what any of these names mean. Yeah. But uh, there's a scene where Chun-Li is going to take a shower. And she's listening to this really sad music. And Vega comes in the window and he's waiting for her to come out. And she comes out, and here's Vega. And in the American version, you know, the dun 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 dun, dun starts, you know, and they have their big fight. In the Japanese version, the sad music yeah. keeps playing. And it's the exact yeah. same fight. That's how you but do it. But the tone's totally different. That's how you do that it. You're like, you're like, oh no, he's here to kill her. And he does, she wins the fight, but he does hospitalize her. And it just hit completely different. So, from a writing standpoint, a lot of that comes through in terms of the context, yeah. you know, um, again, despite the fact that he's dead to me, he's dead to me because he did a really great job early on. The Ned Stark twist yeah. is iconic. Mm -hmm. yeah. The Red Wedding twist is iconic. Yeah. The buildup in the tension of the Red Wedding is perfection. Yeah. You know? Um, and, and it fits in with what you're talking about, where it's like, there has to be a option out of it. Rob Stark could have chosen to not try to join with the phrase or anything like that. He could have listened to his advisors, all that stuff. Uh, yeah. They and, all and told him, do not marry her. Yeah. This this was <laughs> not the deal. Do not marry yeah. her. Yes. Yeah, that no, fits in there. But Aaron, you, you, you were going to say something before tech problems. Oh, so I was I was trying to decide if, um, if something counted as a tragedy. Because like, 
So the movie that I can remember crying like the hardest at in a theater is The Iron Giant. Oh, right. Oh God, that's right. not a tragedy. It's not right? a tragedy. No, but yeah. it's so good. But yeah. if we're talking about how to get an emotionally impactful sad scene kind of thing, yeah. that is a way where it isn't like he does the Iron Giant does make the character shift because now he is heroic. He can do the heroic sacrifice thing. And yep. then the ending part, la la la. But anyway, right. Right. I was crying so hard I had to like hide it because the kid next to me did not find it as affecting. <laughs> I didn't want to upset them. But right. um, yeah, so it kind of depends. I mean, like that's obviously that's not the same. Yeah. But there is, I think, a tendency to talk about, you know, there's tragedy and then there's tragic events, I guess, or there's yeah. like events that give you big well, sad feelings. And those are yeah. all kind of different. Well, I no, no. This time you go. You go the, for sure. The, it, 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 it's, it's what I was talking about with the not quite promises, but like this, like you're saying, the setup is like, if if that scene happened, if it was just some random robot that showed up at the end of the movie and did it, it didn't matter. <laughs> right? But because be so weird. Yeah, it's just like, don't don't worry, Vin Diesel giant, I've got this. I got this. <laughs> yeah, like that. It wouldn't have it's, meant anything. But like right. because we've spent all this time with it's him the, and the and the. the fucking superman line like it was fucking put in there and you think it's just a conversation earlier in the movie it's like no that was there to murder your heart <laughs> yep. well and also I, I i think this is an important distinction that something can be sad without being tragic yeah um oh yeah like again spoiler alert uh the death of tony stark is sad oh yeah but it's not tragic especially because yeah. he dies a hero yeah he said he mm -hmm. sacrifices himself for literally everyone um, so, you know, I, I think that's important. I, again, I think hubris and avoidability yeah. are, 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 yeah. are the two I pillars of tragedy, I would say. I think that's yeah, a good one. For the character. Yep. Because if you watch someone fail that you don't like, it's, it's not really, it's not the same. Yeah. It's like, uh, right. well, I guess that happened. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Okay, let's let's transition to our next uh, uh, question. Andy, I hope that uh, answered it for you. If you didn't, leave, leave a comment and let us know you want to hear some more. Uh, this one comes from Dusty. Uh, Dusty says, hey, Tangenteers. Uh, I guess that's catching on. <laughs> um, uh, this has probably been discussed before, but uh, any advice to get into the habit of writing instead of waiting till the last minute? I have a project I should be doing uh, that is not due for months, but I'm trying to avoid the hyper-focused session. Thanks for being awesome. Thank you for being awesome, Dusty. Um, do a little every day. Mm. I find it's helpful, like, if you have a deadline and you know what it is, um, to you know how whatever you use like scrivener has a built-in project target yep. setting Love that's that great for this but if you are working in word you can make a spreadsheet or you can give yourself a sticker chart like a little kid learning to use the potty or whatever <laughs> you need um and just break it down how many words do you need to do every Banana day to get stickers there? <laughs> yeah <laughs> and give yourself a sticker or a you know a coffee out or brunch or whatever like like if whatever this is i think a thing where it's like know yourself yeah. like what is it that motivates you if you need to do a little work every day so that you're not cramming it all the last couple of days and that's not what you want to be your process then figuring out something that helps you do it break it down and do a little every day um 
is is the key. Yeah. Um, if that means that you need a reward, cool. If that means you need an account, someone to be accountable to, cool. Yeah. If you need to be punished, if you don't get to that word count, that's a good thing to know. Like then you don't get to watch your TV show or whatever. <laughs> um, like figuring out the way to make your brain prioritize this is a skill that you, you it's very important to learn. Um, I feel like B Dave's gonna say, "Why not just cram it?" <laughs> I know. I, I, I'm like no, B Dave well, has the opposite it, advice for this. <laughs> no, 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 no. Because yes, we know I am a crammer. I am. Um, but I wish it were not so. You know that. But that's the way my brain works. Which honestly, I found a way to make it serve me though, yeah. in the sense that a lot of the screenwriting gigs I book is because I really can do in a week what somebody else will do in three months. Yeah. Uh, I won't sleep, but it'll happen and it'll be dope. Mm -hmm. um, I wish I I can write daily and I do write daily, but I write daily really because I have so many different deadlines that yeah. some things always do. <laughs> um, everything Aaron just said is, is correct. I would just say more, I'd say two things. Uh, issuing the disclaimer that I agree with everything Aaron said because I always agree with everything Aaron says because everything Aaron says and does is correct. Just try and chop a little bit. I just have it in your head. I'm going to write a sentence. I'm going to write a sentence every day. Yeah. Because when you do, you're not going to write a sentence. You're going to write two or three or a paragraph or maybe the gravy train will really start flowing. You'll knock out a page. Huzzah. But whatever. I would say don't even worry about the word count if that's going to stress you out. Just commit to yourself that you're going to write a sentence. Mm -hmm. uh, again, if to Aaron's point, if you're the type of person that public pressure will motivate you, mm -hmm. tell everybody what you're doing. Yeah. Because you don't want to face the masses when you didn't do it. If you're the type of person that that's going to stress you out, don't tell anybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, and just be that like, surprise, so... I did a thing, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, which is also valid. I think the, but more than anything, I think if you can just that, but this is the power of NaNoWriMo, by the way, yep. the con, the condensed time frame with a lot of external accountability. Yeah. Um, NaNoWriMo wouldn't work if it was two months or three months or six months. It yeah. wouldn't be the same. Wouldn't be the same thing. Um, National Novel Writing Month for people who don't know. Every November you have to do fifty thousand words in the month of November, which is like what's that? Like sixteen hundred a day 1600 or something. Forty yeah. words a day. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, it's almost like we've done it before. Um, Maybe. Yeah, I, I, I would, I, I would, I would take two parts of what Aaron said. Again, issuing the disclaimer that everything she just told you was true, and I'd be like, write at least one sentence per day. Have your stick in your carrot. If I do that, this thing I like is going to happen. If I do not do this, this thing I do not want is going to happen. Have both. Yeah. You know. There you go. I think by by those three things, you'll you'll knock it out and you'll get it done. And the reality is. Even if you are a crammer, as long as you get it done, yeah. that is not innately bad. I've built an entire mm -hmm. career off of it. I mean, so, <laughs> you know, make it's it just, uh, yeah, you can make it work for you. And it is, it, but I do not advise anyone to do what I do. <laughs> <laughs> the, I think one other thing I would add into that, like sometimes when you're like, I'm going to get some done every day, you can still have this sense of like, if it's not perfect i didn't do it kind of thing so yeah. i would say if you're somebody for whom that pressure is getting in your way intentionally write it as shitty as you can first like mm -hmm. just really try and make it bad <laughs> um 
like yeah. switch tenses oh geez. necessary details oh god throw in a lot of anachronistic slang that you don't know how to use totally because <laughs> if it's really shit it's still words on the page yep. and you can improve it and you literally can't do it worse yeah. Like you cannot accidentally write it worse than you do on purpose. So this is my little trick for you. If you are uh, needing to develop a daily writing practice and your perfectionism is getting in your way. Yeah. Again, as always, the worst thing you write is better than the best thing you did not write. hundred mm-hmm. percent. The, the, the one thing that, that I will say that I, I, I do for myself, um, it's, it's going to sound bad at first, but it's, I, I have a good twist on it. I, I treat it as another job, but kind of like the fun job. Like, you know how in the 90s there was that uh, trend of movies where it's like, hey, it's a kid that's suddenly playing for a major league baseball team, but he's still got to <laughs> do all of his schoolwork. That yes. you, when you're writing, you're gonna you're going to practice with the major leagues. Like you're, that, you're excited to go do that, but it's still work, but it, it, you're having fun doing it. But it's something that you need to go do every day to get better at well not every day take 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 breaks and stuff like that don't don't burn yourself out on that i forgot that swath of movies <laughs> wasn't it like the kid injured his shoulder on the yeah and then, and then he like it, like the muscle was, was like too tight so he could like rick yeah i don't remember how that it was so ridiculous. and then christopher lloyd was dead and then like uh, uh the, the outfield with some angels i don't know <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so uh dusty hope that helps you um yeah, I, I would just say this uh, last thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's never just the last thing. Um, and this is more of a general thing. As I've, I've pointed out at WonderCon recently and have said, I think maybe on this podcast, it might have been one of the other voluminous number of things we do. Whoever said if you do if you do something you love, you'll never work a day in your life was a liar. Full of shit! You have been deceived. Um, so many lies. But... What is true, and I'm going to strike this up to a uh, translation thing, because I'm pretty sure it was Seneca that said that. And generally, I'm I'm on Seneca's side. If it wasn't Seneca, it was Epictetus. And either way, they're homies. So I'm just <laughs> saying somebody just didn't translate this properly. What doing something you love will help you do is help you love the process. And you must love the process. Yes. Because it is going to take as long as it takes, and it is going to take longer than you think. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, like, I'm lamenting... Uh, book proposals and and Aaron was talking about query letters and then you go through submitting it and people are not going to want it and then you go through drafts and then you get notes and I mean there's a long 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 way from you being like I got an idea from a, for a story about a time traveling super dog to that's on the shelf of Barnes and Noble you know what yeah, I mean like yeah. it's, 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 it, the road is much longer than you think it is at its fastest yeah. Mm-hmm. So the only way that will be tolerable is if you enjoy every part of the process and every step along the way. And to Trevor's point about treating this like a second job, I tell people all the time in the streaming world, and this applies directly to being a writer as well, at least initially, it's a nights and weekends business. Yeah. Like, I mean, you'll, you'll be really lucky to be clearing like two grand at it. Yeah. Which... If $2,000 is side money, well, that's pretty good side money. Yeah. yeah. But if you're trying to live off of it, yeah. that's terrible. You know, it, uh, Jim Butcher had to keep his day job until book five of the Dresden Files. 
mm-hmm. until after book five. Stephen King was at it for a while too. I got a buddy now. He writes nonfiction, but he's written five nonfiction books that did really well and still has a day job. There's no shame in this. Yeah. Um, but you know, uh, the the sooner you condition yourself to be like this is what I do between 6 p.m. and 10 p.m. or 6 and 8 or, you know, as Erin has talked about writing when she was pregnant with her oldest or um, I told you how Bob Salvatore was saying that um, he would write the he was writing the Dritz novels literally everywhere. He was sitting at hockey games with his laptop out because mm-hmm. he just had to get it in where he could. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, pr- prepare yourself to think of this as your part time job. And just like you would show up. 20 hours a week for minimum wage somewhere show up 20 hours a week for yourself the the it, my, my dad told me today my dad just finished writing his first book on sunday oh hell hey. yeah congrats, yep. it's, it's, congrats. Dad. it's a it's a non-fiction book but he did it and i was like you will feel a sense of validation from that that will stay with you from all time more than i'm my first book maybe five people have read it maybe <laughs> I'm, I'm giving myself as generous a curve as I possibly can to say five people have read it. But just the satisfaction of knowing I did it will never go away. Yeah. And your satisfaction of just knowing you did it, even if it sits in a, in a drawer from then on. Which, Aaron, this leads me to a different question. What's that? Oh, oh. Do you think the fact that you finished a novel so early helped or hindered you with your greater perspective of this business and what it takes to survive in it? You mean like my my teenage novels? Yeah. Not obviously you didn't sell those, but you did it. You know what I mean? You were like, yeah. yeah. So here's what I think. Um, I think that it didn't necessarily change my sense. Like obviously at 15, I thought, now I've made it. Yeah. Um, And then I had no idea. I think that I went through a period after that where I realized kind of like, like, this is a this kind of veers off that there's a there's a craft question in here right mm-hmm. they you have kind of two sets of faculties you have your creative faculties and you have your critical faculties and when you start you've got all the creative faculties you need you just excited and you're writing stuff and it's great um and i had a lot of creative faculties wrote two books and then i started looking at how do i write better and i realized i didn't know shit so that's the create critical jump and yeah. the thing is that when you have a critical jump it creates kind of a kind of a valley like you know what you don't know and you can't figure out how to do better mm. um and a lot of people get stuck there yeah and i think a benefit of doing that young was that i didn't stay in that spot as long as i've seen other people stay in it because that what happens is like once you see kind of how how books can be fallible and writing can be shit um, and that just because it was fun doesn't mean it's good. Like you kind of get to this point where you don't know how to love anything again. I'm sure all of us have had that friend who has nothing good to say about anything they've read. Yeah, They are deep in a critical valley. Um, and so that realization of like I can only get better by trying it by writing by making more stuff and it might be shit but the next thing will be better starting early means that i kind of got through that while i was still malleable and uh you know my bones didn't break as easy in a (laughs) metaphorical way and i think that was good i think the idea of like the business side of it was hazy and bizarre 
um, until I was actually in it. So I know we brought up, I know we brought up the fact that you still have one of them. Does the other one just not exist anymore or you just, I uh, I don't think it does. I think I gave the manuscript to my grandmother, but I think she put it in a box. Mm. And then she died, and I don't know what happened to it. Uh, that's like that's like the premise of a Michael Bay movie. You know that, right? <laughs> <laughs> because somehow on that uh, that book, there's the inscription for the Decepticon cube thing right. that will destroy the universe. <laughs> right, the Decepticon, the Decepticon cube that the founding fathers buried. Yeah, right. <laughs> Not, not only lie, Optimus Prime movie. and Nicolas Cage can save it. See here, we joke. I see the shit out of that movie. <laughs> Cage and Optimus Prime had to team up yeah, to solve Thomas Jeff unravel some Thomas Jefferson's riddle to stop the, the crossover. No one saw coming. National Treasure you, Transformers. National Transformers. I see the, the shit out of too. that. Yeah, oh right, yeah, no, exactly. But Vin Diesel is inside. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, like jazz. <laughs> Transforms the, into the truck. Like, the door opens. Vin Diesel steps out. <laughs> oh, I found out that the Autobots were about family. <laughs> it's true. I love this. We were talking on this what, we already, we, this weekend. We already had the Iron Giant crossover. There so we go. one of them. T- it's a it's a it's a car that turns into Vin Diesel. <laughs> and it's a diesel. And it's a diesel. Oh my god! I love it. There's a slight possibility my mother has a copy because she frequently surprises me with stuff like that. Well, you you better warn her. The Decepticons are on the way. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let's see. Next question uh, comes from a friend of the show, Rhiannon Held. Uh, everyone's big about writing stuff out of their comfort, out of your comfort zone. But how do you tell when you don't want to write something? Parentheses, a scene, a character type, a genre, uh, because your skills aren't ready yet, or because you just don't enjoy it, rather than being afraid. You just got to do it. Your your <laughs> skills will never get ready until you do it. Yeah, I I feel like if it's a thing that's like everybody's like, oh, you should totally write this, right? Oh, you know uh horror sci-fi is the new hotness and i don't really like writing horror sci-fi and i try to write it and i don't like i think the thing for me is like i just don't yeah i try and it doesn't come out maybe that's not for me um i I was just about i was about to point out there's no correlation between enjoying it and being good at it but okay i mean it's kind of I think for me, like, there's a strong sense of, like, you know, do I have a gut level understanding of how this story is going to work? And if I'm not into it, I'm not into it. And then it don't, I can't write it. Like, this has been, I have passed up tie-in jobs because, you know, this, the things they've given me, I was like, this, I don't, this doesn't spark anything for me. And I don't it does need not spark that joy. job. It doesn't spark joy. And it doesn't, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, I could write a half-assed book for you, but then I'm going to be like miserable doing it. You're not going to be happy with the final product. I have other ways of, you know, paying my bills. So this is fine. Um, as far as stuff that like, you're not quite good enough to write. I feel like you do it anyway is the answer. Um, because doing it and doing it badly is the first step to doing it well, mm-hmm. you know? Yep. And waiting for the point where you have those skills 
is that's that's um that's like a tricky guessing game right and i find people often lack objectivity yeah um, that's also left and right you know people <laughs> mm-hmm. will will think um they're great and aren't you know uh mm-hmm. that dunning kruger is real you know uh but also people greatly underestimate their skill and think they're terrible and they aren't but yeah. the reality is to my previous point, the worst thing you write is better than the best thing you did not write. And two, you cannot start improving until you actually try it. You yeah. know, your, your, your first two or three or five things will be terrible. We talk about these novels baby Aaron wrote. They're probably oh, hot stink. garbage. Oh, yeah. they stink. Yeah. Well, one, you were <laughs> a kid. There's talking and two, it was dragons one. in one of them. I mean, first of all, some of us have made... <laughs> Stay, stay not insignificant in internet fandom on Talking Dragons. I say as I rotate and look at Tiamat, my chunky girl over there. Fair enough. Yeah. It's fair. Yeah. So, yeah. Just, I have just this, do it. Like, weirdo, in, weirdo anecdote. My brother-in-law, Mike, hates cranberry sauce. Every Thanksgiving, he Bless takes, a little cran- <laughs> takes a little cranberry sauce. And he tries it. Because he's like, I might change my mind. And I won't know unless I try it. Um, and I think one, I love him modeling this in front of my kids because kids tastes change. Um, but I think that's the thing. If you are waiting to develop the skills to do something, how are you going to know that you did unless you just try it? Um, writing something, tinkering on something that you, you feel like you can't quite capture yet, but you, you want to eventually Mm -hmm. like keeping that on the side is one option, trying it getting people to look at it and talking with them about how it isn't hitting the mark you're trying to hit and how it might get better. That's also great. Mm-hmm. Like there's a, so this is a slight tangent <gasps> on uh, this show. I know there's, so when getting feedback, like the standard method, the Milford method, right? Where you sit in a circle with people and they tell everybody goes around and tells you what they liked and then what they didn't like, and then they say what they liked again, and you don't talk. And it comes all the way around and you say, thank you very much. And then you ask clarifying questions. I think that is very necessary when you start out because you're gonna be defensive and you're gonna push back on shit and it's not the time. But you know, when you know it's not right and you're going in and you're looking for solutions, like having a discussion with people is a really great way to do that. So like, Mm -hmm. if you have an idea and you are trying to execute something and you're like, I may not quite be ready to write my literary time travel novel about talking dogs. And I take it and I show it to you guys and I go, something is off about this. It isn't getting the right emotional context, I feel like. And you guys say emotional context is there, but the plot doesn't make any sense, right? Mm -hmm. That's feedback I can take back and do a revision with, right? Or yeah, yeah, but your themes are all messed up. That's the problem, right? Having that ability to like talk about it as a work in progress and not sort of be in a state where you need people to say like, well, this, I didn't like this line and, and, you know, yeah. little choppy bits. Like for me, I feel like that's the answer. Like if you're, if you're working on something and it is kind of a stretch goal book or script or webcomic or whatever, and you're like, I really want to be better at this. The only way you're going to get better is to like work on it yeah, and really be willing to kind of dig in and go, what's not working. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, <clears throat> You know, we talk about reading as a writer, 
that you start paying it like read the things that you really enjoy and start paying attention to how they do it and why do they why do they do it this way it's um the same thing any story that you like as a movie start paying attention to how they're doing this why are they eliciting this reaction what is it that you enjoy what do you not enjoy because a lot of that style comes from that too yeah. also understand that as your style forms you might be magnificent at dialogue but merely sufficient at fight scenes you know so you just like write enough fight scenes to make your story keep going so people can get back to talking and that's okay because no one is absolutely excellent at everything except aaron because i might not have mentioned <laughs> everything she says and does is correct someday you're gonna read one of my books and be like what the fuck <laughs> you know what even that's if it worked tipping. if if it were to come up that I read something that made me want to rescind my hype, I've been pledging my undying affection for so long, I'd be like, something's wrong with me and I'm not seeing it right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so we're, we're, we're getting towards the, uh, the, the end of this one. But uh, um, I we, we, we got a, we got an email in that I want to, to to read. I'm willing to read a part of this. Uh, uh, this from uh, Eva. Eva, you wrote a uh, very wonderful and awesome email. But I'm gonna I'm gonna condense it down uh, just for time wise. Um, so essentially, this this uh, question is about translation and uh, essentially saying that it, uh, this uh, Eva is from Estonia, and kind of a goal there is getting your book translated into English. Hmm. Um, and so uh, Eva says, as an Estonian, uh, a country uh, with their uh, own language of one million, um, our main goal is always to get translated. But I'm curious, do you also feel that getting your work translated into some other language is an accomplishment for you? Yes, very <laughs> much so. I mean, there's like two, two ways it's an accomplishment. One is it's just really cool to know that your work is going into another market. Um, for people who m either might not be able to read it or might not want, might feel more comfortable reading it in, in their, um, in their first language mm -hmm. or, you know, you know, but it's, but it's, yeah, it's a whole other market. Um, I have a copy of the adversary in Finnish and it's oh. one of my favorite possessions. Um, but on the, uh, the other thing is, um, if you're a writer, Selling foreign rights is a wonderful way to make more money on the yes. same project. It yes. is very important. Hold um, on to your translation rights. Yeah. <laughs> it's book fair season, so my agency is trying to sell foreign rights for people, and I am very hopeful there will be good news. Ooh. But I don't if know. Everyone I know who has been blessed to have translations thought it was just that it was a blessing. Yes, maybe yeah. it's a paycheck, which is great, but it's the novelty of it to yeah. be like, wait, what? Yeah. People cared enough that they wanted my thing in a different language. And yes, hold on to all the rights. Yes. Audio, translation, everything. As much as you can. As much as you can. Yeah, I I, th I think, uh, like, you know, because I, I, I've for so long thought about just seeing my book on a shelf at, a, like, Barnes & Noble or something like that. And, like, thinking about... Can verify it's incredible. I know. Dude... <laughs> I, I've, I, I've walked through a Barnes Noble and seen your name on, on the shelf. <laughs> and I'm so right? like, ah! Like, ah! <laughs> yeah, that's how I felt about all my friends that got it before me. Yes, exactly. See, and see, when I saw Aaron's book, I didn't know you at the time. You didn't know me. <laughs> but the, the wild thing is, is I do remember going and be like, ah, oh, hey, that book looks interesting. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, okay, actually, uh, th this is a quick tangent. 
I had a I had a friend that I hadn't seen in a long time, and we met up, and uh, he was asking me how the podcast stuff was, and I was talking to him about this show. I'm like, oh yeah, it's me, B. Dave Walters, Aaron M. Evans. I mean, we we had Jim Zub, Patrick Rothfuss, uh, a bunch of awesome, cool people. He's like, the only person's name that I knew there was Aaron M. Evans. <laughs> <laughs> I see they are also they are also a gentleman of culture. <laughs> That's wonderful. I'm so pleased. I'm, <laughs> he's my favorite friend of Trevor's. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I I can't like I can't even fathom what it would be like to see something I wrote in another language. Like I I'm I'm a hundred percent gonna be like you, Aaron. Like I'm going to get a book of mine in a different language and cherish it because that's just so freaking cool. Yeah, it's very uh, exciting. Hold on to those translation I haven't, rights. I haven't had one that had a an alternate cover. Oh that's, yeah, that's my new. That's my new. I'll like Ooh. my friends and I joke about the. I'll be a real writer when. Oh so yeah, like, the like, oh when I finish a thing, when I publish a thing, when I get an agent, when yep. I get this kind of book deal, um, and it gets more outlandish, right? Where it's like yep. when I find fan fiction, when I find erotic fan fiction, <laughs> when I find erotic fan fiction between two characters who don't actually even talk to each other in the book. <laughs> Um, so the less crazy one is when I get foreign rights trans when I get a uh, uh, foreign language translation when I get a foreign language translation with an alternate cover when I get a foreign language translation with translation with an alternate cover that absolutely makes no sense to me but sells really well yeah like, you know what kids this is this moving the goalposts as these yep. people won't give themselves credit for what they've it, done I, you I, stop I, it. I super want to be clear it's a joke because yeah, that it's a play on that feeling is and yes that, that feeling is, is real you but it's joking. also a good way to combat it by making fun of it it's true mm -hmm. yeah that's the main thing yeah uh, it is, you know, that's a whole other topic of like when, uh, when, when you can accept that you've that you've done the thing, you know. When Trevor's Bitch. friend says he knows, it is done. There you go. There you go. When, when my friend knows who you are. Hundred percent win. Uh, but have you had any stuff translated? Like, did, did any of the comics get translated or anything? You know, I don't know. They're not great I, at telling you when those translations. <laughs> yeah, no, you're you're a cog in the wheel. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, found out about the Finnish one because my friend went to Finland and saw it in a bookstore and bought it for me. Hey, <laughs> that's so cool! <laughs> and you got a book sale, so you know. <laughs> yeah. I, I um, went to Amazon, went to a dark and wish like I could somehow find if it was in different languages. I don't know yeah. what I was thinking. I did something very similar. <laughs> I think uh, I'd have to go to like. You type if you Google a darkened wish translated. That that is, is that, that is what, what that I I Google translation not translated. Um, uh, Where is it? No, no, no. The, you're the, you're coming along on this ride live with us, listeners. But yeah, it's true. I feel like it's all in English. Do comics you know? get translated very often? I mean, I genuinely don't know. I actually don't know. Uh, huh. here's, here's... Get Jim's up in the call. Get Jim's up in. <laughs> I mean, obviously, a lot from Japanese come into English. Uh, I don't yeah. know about yeah. vice versa. Here, you can buy it in Singapore. I'm seeing that, but it looks like it's in English. Oh, well. Um, so, yep. So, I'm gonna say no. But... But the answer's a definite maybe. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Um, okay, the, 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 the last one that I've got here... 
um, is uh, is actually uh, just uh, more for the listeners. It, it, mm-hmm. it's, it's it's a question posed. It's not promising anything. I'm like, excuse me. Do we not do all of this for the listeners? <laughs> Are we not here in service to the people and also cut water? <laughs> oh, I still did it. Damn it. <laughs> yeah, it's I was like, I'll do it better this time. I still did it. I still did smooth. it. Oh, oh my yeah. God. Whew, I'm going to be tasting that all night um but this is not a promise of anything it's just a curiosity uh that was posed uh by uh our our, our listener alex says hey gang i thought with so many uh tangerinos also being writers and aspiring writers could it be worth setting up a discord or subreddit so we can beta read each other's stuff and support each other just wondering huh hmm Maybe. It's an excellent idea that I will do zero to facilitate. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, if, if that question speaks to you, uh, listener, let us know. Uh, either on Twitter at uh, yeah. about dragons or writing about dragons at gmail.com or, you know, tweet at me. Just let me know. Here's here's what I will do. This is something I can commit oh. to. Oh. oh. And, it, and it is minimal, but it's something I can commit to. <laughs> Throw out like like a little writing prompt to be like, you know. Do 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 five hundred words on this like spooky story. Go boom. You know what I mean? Like that's something mm-hmm. like that might be fun. Oh yeah, that could be fun. That could be fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Do you like writing prompts for yourself out of curiosity? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> here's this, my. I, thing. I have a reason I'm asking. I never lack for ideas. <laughs> that's not my yeah. problem. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I have nothing against them, but I usually don't require them. For the record, since as we've said before, I struggle and stuff. <laughs> For me, the hard part's starting. Yeah. You know, once I'm going, I'm going. The faucet's on, it's on. You know, it's it is the I, I'm I'm far more binary. I'm like a light switch. I am off or I'm on. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's one of those things. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I will say for me, it, it's got to be interesting. Um, like if it's just like write a story about dog loves the family and then runs away. Like I'm so, like I don't I don't care. <laughs> can I ask what's interest? What makes an interesting writing prompt? So I, yeah, there is actually a writing prompt that that sticks out to me is one that like as soon as I heard I'm like oh I got to bust out a piece of paper and write this. Um, uh-huh. It actually came from uh, writing excuses, the uh, uh, writing podcast I used to listen to, um, and uh, Mary Robinette Cole put out the writing prompt of write a. Uh, a fight scene like a fantasy fight scene like a like a party of D characters and move the perspective through the fight hmm, interesting so like start with the wizard and then trans- uh, find a way to transition that perspective to the fighter then transition to the rogue and stuff like that and i had a blast writing that like it's not something that yeah. i would use in a book maybe but i had a lot of fun doing it Something I've had in the back of my mind that I've wanted to do for 20 years, and feel free to take this because you, one of you doing it, and by one of you, I mean the people of the internet, uh, does not automatically mean I cannot do it. I wanted to do a fantasy-style story where I made character sheets for all the characters, and I actually rolled it, and let that decide. It would be very unpredictable. I've had that thought. Your main he, your main character might get stroked in the first, you know, first five minutes, and you're like, oh, sorry, and young Master Skywalker. Chapter two, die. they found a new main character. Exactly. The Force is with you, but you are not a Jedi yet. Yeah. I think, reason, I think that, yeah, that'd be interesting. Sorry, no, the please. Reason, the reason I asked is, uh, so I do concentration check, which is like a, 
it's a co-writing show it's yeah. basically like an accountability thing right like come over here we're gonna work for 25 minutes and then i'm gonna talk to you for five minutes and that you sit down here and do this mm-hmm. um and also i sit down and write it's also it's a secret way that i get more done <laughs> um but in talking to the person who's the producer yang yang was saying who's great and wonderful and very helpful and all of this and he's like we should do some kind of a warm-up thing we should offer people writing prompts and i was mm. like i don't like writing prompts um but at the same time like when i was in school and i was studying writing we would get like assignments that were essentially writing prompts um and the ones there that i liked were like when you're talking about trevor where it's like there's a sort of a concept to, to yep. sort of frame it up, but the goal is actually for you to practice a particular skill. Yep. So it's point of view shifts, or it's you're going to make sure you hit these points of setting. And that means the setting is going to become a focus and you're going to think about how do I convey, you know, some, you know, the, the sights and the sounds and the smells. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, these aspects of character or whatever. Right. Um, it was like one where I remember, like we had to, I think it was like uh, your character is dying and you have to describe what's in their nightstand and, and, and like make that work. Yeah. Right. And so the focus being object as character uh, signal and emotional like moment for character. Right. Yeah. Um, So that kind of thing is, I think that's interesting at this point in my, my writing career, I don't want to do those particularly. (laughs) So I was a little like, no, because then you're going to make me do it. it." (laughs) But we're still discussing options. Yeah. So I was curious how you guys felt about them. I don't love the ones that are like, oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, no, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but you also have to understand that a lot of the people that tune in are tuning in for the Aaron M. Evans experience. Yeah. Uh, you're That's in a different place that, that some other people are. So that, well, I mean, you being like, here's the thing I want you to write about, go. You know, well, people will do it. As long as I don't have to do it. <laughs> you're trapped in a house, right? In uh, second person, future tense. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You will jump out the window. <laughs> dun, dun, you will say. live yeah. here now. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You will turn on yeah. Netflix and you will put your feet up. And also chill. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. It's, um, I, I think where it's most useful is I find a lot of times people, especially beginners, might get overly pigeonholed into the only thing they're comfortable with. Yeah. Yeah. You know, especially when they know they're safe enough that no one else has to read it unless they want them to. Like, it, yeah. like you know, if you're like, write a love scene. Um my, I told you before, we had a whole episode on love scenes. I tend to be ellipses. You know what I mean? Yeah. I tend to be like, they're coming together and fade out. You know what I mean? Like, dot, dot, dot. You know, that, that's my thing. You know, if you're like, no, write it. Even I'm like, oh, oh. <laughs> oh I do declare. Scandal. <laughs> you know? Whereas I'm all like, I'll give you a 15-page fight sequence. Let's go. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. Help people push their limits in that respect. You just need to change all of the adjectives and some of the nouns, and then it's a love scene. It's <laughs> fair. <Yep. laughs> um, so, so yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> I was trying to segue out of that. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I was like, I mean, we all agree they're grappling, but I mean, this is not <laughs> right? You know, 
Anybody else? Is is this an MMA fight scene or a love scene? Or an I MMA mean, love scene? I was about to say, I mean, if we mean it in like the Greek epic poetry sort of way, the answer is yes. <laughs> well, like, they're oh. playing leapfrog. Um, <laughs> to the end, I grapple with thee. Yes. <laughs> uh so yeah if uh if you know writing prompts or discords yeah. or subreddit sound interesting let us know we want to hear from you um but uh but yeah it, that i think that is gonna bring us to the end of the episode but before you turn it off if you enjoyed hearing people write in with questions and us having fun talking about them you can do that too you can tweet <gasps> at us at about dragons on twitter or you can send it as an email at, uh to writing about dragons and shit at gmail.com and we'll talk about them on the show like we did right here look at that what? oh my god yeah, it's amazing. So lucky. I know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, but friends, where can people find you uh, and what awesome things you're working on? You can find me on Twitter at Aaron M. Evans. You can join me on Mondays at 1.30 p.m. Pacific for the aforementioned concentration check. Come and get some writing done with me, and maybe I will give you a writing prompt. If writing prompt TBD. You can join me with these guys on twitch.tv slash CNE Games every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific for... Champions of Lore, where we talk about the lore behind Idol Champions of the Forgotten Realms, a super fun, uh, what is it called? What do they call it? Idol strategy game? I suddenly forgot yes, the word. Yes, idol strategy game. Anyway, it's fun. You get two little heroes and they march across and I tell a fun story with them and you can read it. Damn right. And you can watch me on Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Pacific on twitch.tv slash Dungeon Scrollers for Dungeon Scrollers, an actual play show with a bunch of fantasy writers that I sometimes DM. Yeah. I'm going to mess them up real good this week. <laughs> yes, the dark side of the force is a pathway to many abilities some would consider to be a natural. I could just see it, the Dungeon Scrollers starting screen, and then it comes uh, up to the, the crew, and Aaron is just like, have you have ever told you the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise? I just need them to realize that that's no moon. Yes, yes, give in to it. That's the thing. I, I have made my way across the internet, taking the sweetest people and turning them into their most monstrous true selves. <laughs> I feel very fulfilled and validated by my life and my choices. Uh, B. Dave Walters, I say words about things. I apologize if I was not as quick on the mute as I thought I was for any of the snuffles and sniffles over the course of this episode. I might possibly have caught them in editing, so it's okay. Hey, I didn't perfect. hear any, so I was yeah. gonna say you didn't. Double A. Job. So the answer to that is don't blame me, blame Trevor. <laughs> I tried, he let it through editing. It's true. Um, true. you can find me all over the place on a shocking number of things that I can't talk about, even though I taped them like a month ago. <laughs> I will say something dope is coming out April 21st. Something else dope is coming out sometime in June. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, Invitation to Party, G4 TV, Season yeah. 1. It's up on YouTube, Black Dice Society, Thursday Nights 4, D&D, Twitch, and YouTube. I just held up the number four to the camera, even though you can't see me. But well, I, I needed to You know. feel it. I needed yeah. to know. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yep. And uh, any gig that uh, Trevor and Aaron asked me to do, the answer is apparently yes. I'm looking uh, bad in mind. <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter at the Trevor. There is an A hiding in there. But also, I have another thing. I'm going to be on Dungeon Scrollers on Monday, April 18th. Oh, that's right! Playing I some forgot. Dark Souls. Kill all humans. <laughs> with uh, with friend of the show, Richard August, who was on talking about game writing, will be running it for us. Uh, and uh, it's going to be me, Aaron, Yang. Who else is going to be in it? Is it uh, Yang, Eric? Yang and I think Eric and Stevenson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
so so come watch that as uh and i'm sure you know we will die plenty of times it'll be uh, a lot of fun and awesome and i'm going to love it a lot i'm going to praise the sun a lot uh <laughs> uh but uh yeah if uh you enjoyed this episode the best way to support it is by leaving a review on your podcast service of choice again spotify can review now and only that five star button works uh if you have any ah if you have any topic suggestions or questions that you'd like us to talk about on the show you can send those into writing about dragons and shit at gmail.com if you'd like to keep up to date on the show you can follow us on twitter at about dragons but until next week go write about some dragons and shit Oh. <laughs>